Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Sally Gentry. And we appreciate you tuning in. We have so much to talk about on this episode of The Gifted Life. We hope that you help us spread the word. One of the things coming up is that we'll be highlighting one of our life-saving partners, Mora. You'll have to stay tuned. Absolutely. And we're going to be talking a little bit about one of their new campaigns. It's super easy, Lori. It's so easy, so easy. <laughs> I love it. That's not the campaign. It just made me think of it. <laughs> And in our family services segment, we're going to talk about styles of grieving. That is, do men grieve differently than women? Oh, I never thought about that, Sal. See, always learning. Uh, we're honor a hero as well here on The Gifted Life, and we'll take your questions. Uh, we're hoping that what you hear today, you take back into your community, your church family, your schools. We want you to help us spread the word, and we try to make it as easy as possible. It is very easy. You can find us anywhere. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on Pocket Cast or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us. Yeah, and we know you like social media as well. That's where you get a lot of your information. Uh, so if you're on Facebook, it's Donate Life Louisiana, Twitter and Instagram at Donate Life LA. And hey, maybe you like the landlines. And you can get yes, us there too. Certainly can. <laughs> And that number is 504-648-3477. From memory, Joe, you saw that? Like uh-huh. she's yeah, got I it got down. it down. The I did. <laughs> Call us. We may use your audio here on the podcast, but I'm ready to go. You guys ready? Yep. yep. Let's do it. Here in our community segment, we have a heavy hitter out of Mississippi. We love partnering Um, with folks from across the country um, to figure out what it is that they're doing and how they're doing it right. And we like to learn from each other. And so, Joey, your buddy joins us now. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. We've got uh, the CEO from Mora, Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency, Kevin Stump, on the phone with us. Hey, Kevin. Hi. Hey, how's everybody doing down there? I hope y'all's humidity is as fun as ours is. (laughs) All the time. It's down to 109 (laughs) degrees right now. Uh, Wave, man, we're doing good. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, Kevin, we wanted to highlight. We're trying to highlight some of the OPOs and, and things that they're doing and, and initiatives that they've got. You know, and, and of course, I was fortunate to uh, to be able to go uh, travel there in Jackson at their new facility or at their facility that they've got. And uh, and I took part in a race that they had uh, and didn't realize uh, getting into it. I thought it was a 5K race, so I was like, all right, I can do a 5K. Yeah, easy. That's easy. And then I show up and they throw a, a five-mile race at yeah. me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what happened to the 5Ks? And in the heat. Oh. In the heat. So anyway. Yeah, in the heat on a Saturday morning. Yeah, that, that throws a lot of people because everybody thinks 5K race. And we do uh, an 8K for the eight lives saved with organ donation. So uh, you're not the first to walk up and go, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I thought, and uh, we've seen a few people <laughs> kind of back away. So. Yeah, well, I hung in there for a little bit. So, uh, But I do like <laughs> that idea, the 8K eight for the eight lives saved. I thought it was a great, you know, great race. We had a great time. 
And then while I was there, of course, I saw that you guys are building a huge new addition to your building that you've got there. And you're going to have an ICU and an OR suite standalone. That'll be just for uh, Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency. So, so can you tell me what brought upon all that idea and, and how many challenges have you faced trying to build it? Oh, it's, it's been a, a work in progress from starting six years ago. Uh, six years ago, the board of directors voted that we buy some land and, and build our own building uh, so that we could ultimately someday have our own uh, ORs and our own donor tribute garden. We originally bought some land to build a new building, and um, while we were in the process of trying to design the building, uh, some property became available that already had a building on it that had been a Mazda dealership that had gotten shut down about oh, five years ago. And so um, I emailed the chairman of the board and I said, please don't think I'm crazy, but what do you think about us buying this property and renovating because renovating is a lot less than building new. Fortunately, the the people who owned the property and the building were really in a hurry to try and get it off of their books. And so we got a great deal on it and we renovated this building and property four years ago. And yeah, man, time flies. Yeah, it does. Um, it does. And so we've been in this building now for about four years. With Part of the, the dream is to add on uh, a clinical addition. Um, and so in September, or actually, uh, yeah, in September we awarded the contract last year, and in January we started uh, the groundbreaking and, and process of adding. Uh, it's about a 6,500-square-foot uh, addition. It will have a medical supply storage space, a doctor's lounge, um, uh, sterilization area, you know, clean and dirty room. Uh, it'll have two OR rooms. Uh, it'll have an ICU room. Uh, for the tissue donation, it'll have a, a, a wash prep room. Uh, it'll have a morgue cooler in there so we can um, ensure the proper care of the body uh, post-donation. Um, and so we're set to be given the keys uh, to the clinical edition sometime into September. Uh, originally, the, the occupation date was around August, but with rain, uh, we've you know lost a few days. So probably uh, get into it at the end of September, uh, spend October getting it ready, and probably start using it with tissue donors um, end of October, 1st of November, and then look at starting to relocate organ donors uh, beginning sometime uh, end of the year, 1st of next year. Well, Kevin, I can't wait to come and see it. Of course, I saw you know, all the plans that were laid out, you know, when I was there. And I can't wait for you guys to see it in, in you know, running uh, because we're trying to do the same thing here. You know, it, there are a lot of challenges, uh, you know, in, in <laughs> organ recoveries. Exactly. The big change. Obviously. And this is a big change. And there, there are eight others, uh, organ recovery agencies that are doing, that have their own standalone ICU right now in OR. And, of course, you know, it'll be into double digits by next year. So uh, we're looking forward to it, and I certainly want to see what you guys are doing. Uh, I like for you guys to be our guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, live and learn from our experiences. We live and learn from y'all's yeah. experiences. So, you know, um, it, it is a challenge. I mean, it's something, you know, 10 years ago we would have never thought of, Joey, right. or anybody. So, you know, and then, the, you know, those crazy folks up in St. Louis kind of got a, an idea, and, Part of the impetus for us to do that is the head of our transplant program came here from St. Louis, and he was like, you know, 
you guys are already in plans for doing this, keep it up because I, I like it. I've seen the benefit of it. So, yeah. so um, what do you anticipate as as your primary benefits? Uh, primary benefits will be will be less of a burden on the hospitals. You know, all of our hospitals uh, across the country in Mississippi and Louisiana and you know all over are getting pushed and strapped and and uh, you know to financial limits and so. You know, uh, we'll be able to relocate the patient uh, sooner to be hopefully less of a burden on the hospital staff. I mean, we've had situations, I don't know about y'all, where we've had an ICU bed, we're working up the organ donor, and there's a patient in the ER, and they're staring at us like, you know, how soon can you get to the OR? We need yeah. that bed. Well, now we'll be able to much quicker relocate the patient uh, into our area of ICU where we can finish up the donor management and the placement uh, and then go to the OR, and, and we know if we set an OR of 6 a.m., we're going to go at 6 a.m. because we're not going to have the risk of getting bumped by a trauma that comes in. And so the benefit uh, for, you know, staffing purposes, the benefit for the transplant program, they know, okay, we're going to surgery at 6, we'll start the transplant at 10, and they don't have to worry that, well, that might change because we're going to get bumped. So, um, you know, there's all sorts of benefits, financial uh, relationships with your hospitals, um, and then ultimately the outcome for the recipient is, you know, hopefully get the organ to the transplant program quicker and it gets transplanted quicker and it does better. So, right, I can I can certainly empathize with that. We have, like you said, it's it's across the nation where you know the hospitals are becoming more and more strapped, and uh, and and time frames, you know, we're getting crunched a little bit, you know, when we're trying to maximize the organ function and, and trying to place and save as many lives as we can, you know, while at the same time, like you mentioned, you know, they're looking and saying, okay, when are you, you know, available to go? Yeah. You know, so it's, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very anxious, uh, you know, to, to get started here and I can't wait to see you guys, uh, you know, start with, with all that. So one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about, Kevin, was, you know, I saw, you know, from, from last year to this year, you guys have made a huge, huge improvement. Can you talk about that a little bit? At the end of last year, we continued to struggle with our, our consent rate, conversion rate, however you want to look at it, uh, within our community that we serve here. And we really were looking at, you know, what is going on because historically, uh, up till about two years ago, uh, we'd been one of the higher-performing uh, OPOs, and over the last two years, we've really saw a slip in our performance, and the biggest uh, area that we saw a, a slip in was within uh, the African-American community. Uh, we, you know, dipped down into almost a single-digit conversion rate, consent rate. And so, uh, and looking at that and, and what was going on, um, we made some personnel changes. We reassigned some people within our family care services department um, from maybe Oregon uh, uh, family consent to the tissue family consent, um, and uh, we also brought in uh, one of the experts out in the field that I know y'all have worked with, uh, Effective Arts and, and that group. And um, with uh, the changes in personnel and with the, the training, uh, it looks like knock on wood, uh, we've been able to turn it around. We for the last four months. Um, Back above 80 percent for mm -hmm. our, uh, our conversion rate uh, and overall consent rate, uh, and we're on track to have one of our best years of the history of the agency. 
for organs transplanted and uh, for a number of tissue donors. So uh, we're on track to do about 275 tissue donors, and we're on track now to get uh, close to about 270 organs transplanted, which for our size of our service area would be a, a, a record year. So wow. we're just going to keep our fingers crossed yeah. that it continues to go. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have a new director of family care coming in who y'all know yeah. uh, and know her family, and she's got a, a wonderful history of being able to uh, create a very functional and cohesive uh, group of uh, individuals to support and work with families to uh, the point that, you know, they decide that this is their opportunity to help others. So uh, I'm hoping that it continues to improve and grow. Um, and uh, after she gets here on August 8th, I think I'm scheduled for vacation on August 9th. <laughs> you have so, earned it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be driving down to, to Lafayette to get some uh, boudin. So anyway. <laughs> yep, we'll Come you. on. We'll take you to lunch. I love it. Yes. Yeah, so, um so you're a director of family services, uh, is the sister of one of our local lifesavers, Shelly, and um, she can't say enough great things about you guys. So we look forward to working with you guys more. And coming up in the podcast, we are going to talk to Chuck, who is with you guys, about this super easy yes. campaign. So more to come from Mora. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you all. We appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Chuck Stinson, Director of Community Relations with Mora, joins us now. We just talked to Kevin with Mora and talked about all the wonderful things that they are doing to try and make life happen. And Chuck is behind a new campaign. They started in May of 2016, and it's moving in the right direction. Hey, Chuck. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. We uh, just took some time to look up. The it's super easy campaign, pretty cool, man. Yeah, we uh, we're excited about it. Um, it. It was something that was kind of spawned out of um, talking to younger people and and finding out what they thought about donation and the fact that they didn't know how to register. And this was just an opportunity to kind of tie in the superhero theme, which is very common in our industry. Uh, the superhero theme and how how easy it really is to register. You can do it in less than two minutes. Uh, you know, you can do it in less than 10 seconds if you're asked at the Department of Public Safety. But if, if the mood strikes you that you want to register when you're not in front of a driver's examiner, uh, then you have the opportunity to register, and it takes less than two minutes. It is a standalone website, and we just encourage people to go. And, and look at the really kind of cool um, theme that we thought the ad agency did with this. We we took an idea to them about superheroes and, and making it easy to register, and they really took that idea and ran with it, and it was really great that they were a bunch of superhero geeks. It, it really made the, <laughs> the campaign kind of stand out. They, they really um, jumped in full force and, and did an outstanding job, uh, and it's had over 230,000 views online and over uh, another 20,000, I think, just on YouTube, but over 230,000 through Facebook advertising. It is a digital campaign. We haven't put it on the air yet, but it is a digital campaign, geotargeting, college campus areas, and, and we hope that this is going to play into a college challenge that we will do later in the fall as well. But we, we like the idea. It's really fun. It's really campy. A lot of things that we've done in the past have been testimonials from donor families and recipients, and they talk about their 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 donor being a hero, and there's no question about that. We just thought we'd put a little different take on a little campy kind of 
fun spin on it. And uh, we're very happy with the way that it's turned out. And our boss's window is actually wrapped in the campaign. <laughs> He's proud of that fact. I like it. Right. Now, did you um, yeah. pose for any of the superheroes that were – are you one of these folks? No, 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 no. No, I don't, I don't look good in tights. Uh, you know, one of the – one of the characters references that, and um, and I'm, I'm sur- and I'm worse than him, so I'm not, that's not me. Yeah. I love it, but it is smart. I mean, we're seeing that too. Uh, everybody's tied to their um, phone. Uh, that's how most people get their information. So taking that digital approach, um, it seems to have paid off. It, it's paying off. It, it has not reached the registrations that that the ad agency or that uh, that we wanted to hear it more. But what we do know is that with over two hundred thirty thousand views that hopefully we are having, that people are having a conversation about it, showing it to their friends, and then maybe that spawns conversations that we see registrations down the road somewhere. We we hope that that's the case. We like to think that that's the case, and I have to think that's the case to keep my job probably. <laughs> so, um, but but we, we are excited about the fact that we've done something that's had over 200,000 views by people because that's not something we've ever done before here uh, in this agency, uh, and so we're excited about that. and. And we can we can find different ways to tweak that down the road. So is it um, as easy as typing in itssupereasy.org? Yeah, that's it. Just type in itssupereasy.org and people, uh, and it'll take you right there. And if you're already registered as a donor, the really cool thing is you can click on the already registered. Uh, but now this is just exclusive to Mississippians at this point. We hope to maybe franchise this out if people want to look at it. We're going to offer that opportunity down the road if anybody wants to use it. Um, but you just click on the already registered, and you can see the heroes. And they're all testimonials. There's the commercial. There's a long interview segment, and then there's all testimonials from all the heroes. And they're 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 kind of they're made up characters. They were costumed here in Mississippi. There were actors that are here from Mississippi. In fact, the actual donor CJ is a young man from Alabama who goes to college here, and he was a registered donor. Uh, he is a registered donor. He registered when he was in Alabama. Um, so, but and they're all call to actions, but and there's some humor that's involved, and it's really kind of, it's kind of the lighter side of 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 what we are about. I mean, it, it can be cool and it can be fun to be a, to be registered as a donor. Yeah, and I like how these campaigns always lead into something else. We want folks, even here in Louisiana, to have that conversation, and so you kind of can already see how this campaign is kind of leading you in that direction to your next big thing, right? Yeah, that's what we want to do. We, you know, there's there's an ebb and flow to what we do in terms of marketing, uh, and we are we are trying to get people to see that organ donation is important. And what's what's really at the core of that importance, or what we think is really the most important part of that factor, is people having a conversation about donation. We have a testimonial here from a family that talks about uh, there was a uh, a young man who was playing high school football. He had an issue, uh, and, and he. Uh, was eventually the family was eventually approached about donation, and um, the father was against donation. They did not want that. He did not want that to happen. But the mother spoke up when the when the, the family was talking with our family care specialist, and she said, "Wait, um, Walker, the son, had told me uh, he had told me a year ago that he wanted to be an organ donor, that he thought that was the right thing to do if anything ever happened to him." And and parents at that time. Don't ever think about that being an issue that they're ever going to be confronted with. But because of that conversation, because they had that conversation a year prior to his death, which is uh, 
unfathomable if you have children to think that that could happen. Mm-hmm. But there's a possibility that it could. And they had that conversation. This was a 16-, 17-year-old young man who got a heart on his license, told his mother that he wanted to be an organ donor or something other ever happened. A year later, that conversation was in play. And because of that conversation, because of what he said, um, that that child saved five other lives. Wow. Five other lives through organ donation. The father and the mother are big proponents of donation. They believe that this was the, the way that it should be because their son wanted it this way. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we want people to do is to have that conversation. And that's where we want to go maybe in our next campaign, a little more serious than what we did with the It's Super mm-hmm. campaign. But we want people to just have that conversation about donation and see what spawns from it in, uh, in the family. Yeah, and we were talking to some of our friends at AMAT, and they said what they're seeing is that those personal stories, those personal testimonies work best. And so um, we play on that. We see that Mississippi is doing that as well. So, Chuck, we want to thank you. If you want to learn more about their campaign, it's supereasy.org, or you can visit the Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency's website. That's msora.org. Today in our family service segment, uh, we are talking about styles of grieving. Yeah, Sally, I have a challenging question for you. Do men grieve differently than women? Hmm. What a challenge, Joey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and she says? Uh, well, you know, there's an optimal level of grieving that varies from one person to another. And as you know, no two people, regardless of gender, grief is not exactly the same. Because sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, I know. I know what it feels like. I know what you're going through. And no one really can do that because we each come with our own separate worldview, if you will, and how we've learned how to cope in the past and to deal with our own personal grieving. And, you know, research that's been based or focused on differences between men and women found some variations there. And we need to keep in mind that the major reasons has to do, again, with cultural expectations and the way our society defines masculine and feminine. And, you know, your masculine guys generally do taking charge, problem solve. You know, you got to be strong, support others, uh, less expression of feelings, more concerned with thinking than feeling, independent moving activity. And really, as you mentioned, challenge just a moment ago. Men generally see death or grief as a challenge that can be overcome. And you know, too, that early in life, uh, boys learn that it's not okay to be vulnerable. You know, you keep that stiff upper lip. Otherwise, if you've seen openly grieving, it might be considered, well, you're weak or, you know, you just can't, you know, live up to what the expectations are of others. So many times when uh, boys hurt and they know they hurt, but they just prefer to cope with the pain alone. And so as, you know, men grow up, this is the way they deal with grief in their adult life. And actually, you know, some of the the issues that come with that are, as Martin and Doka, who are researchers in the field of grief and bereavement, they talk about individuals being instrumental grievers, 
which means they're more likely to speak in physical or cognitive terms, as generally that's what men do. And women are more intuitive type grievers. That is, they're more willing to express emotion, affect, this sort of thing. And it's okay, society says, for women to openly, you know, express their feelings that way. And so, you know, these type, intuitive type grievers also uh, are more likely to experience like waves of affect, and they need to express their feelings and, and seek that support of others. So you can see where the differences come into play between how men and women process it differently. But I think the most important thing is to recognize that people, men or women, grieve consistently with the way they actually respond to their life in general. And so oftentimes when a husband and wife are grieving at the same time, and as we see many times with the death of a child, that one will think the other is not feeling the same depth of the pain because they're just not expressing outwardly, you know, what what the other thinks that the person should be doing. So, you know, this it just applies to other family members who express their grief differently. And I think what's really important is that both men and women use their own strengths to deal with the grief. And in time, both of them will work out or through their grief. It's also important to know that these differences need to be acknowledged and not corrected. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where some people Mm -hmm. get into a bind is, well, you just don't feel the same about it as what I do. Why aren't you grieving like I'm grieving? And, you know, then that creates other situations that makes it even more difficult for both to get through. But, you know, finally, the caveat, I think, for both men and women alike is If there's an unwillingness to express grief in any form or any fashion at all, then we really set ourselves up for illness, bitterness, anger, just a sense of deadness ourselves, or a lack of joy. And we want to reach a place of adaptation or integration where we can, again, be engaged and really feel life as we had at one point in time prior. So I think the main thing I'd like for you all to take away from this information is that just keep in mind we're all different Mm -hmm. in the ways that we express what hurts us. And so just to be a little bit more aware that there are some differences, but we're all going through the same type of grief. These differences need to be acknowledged, not corrected. I like that. We need to remember that. All right. Thanks, Sally. Always learning something. You want Sally to uh, talk about a certain topic here? Info at lopa.org. At this point in the Gifted Life podcast, we honor a hero. Uh, We're kind of changing things up a little bit. We um, talked to our friends from Mora, uh, the Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency, earlier in the podcast. And we uh, want to honor one of their heroes, a Chase Roten. Yeah. Chase Froten was a fine young man, according to his mom, Liz. Someone who would make you laugh. His former baseball coach, Sam Temple, was amazed at his attitude toward the people in his life and the people he cared about. His sister Ashley called him an all-American boy that loved life and his dad more than anything. His dad, Mike, simply said Chase was his best friend. An avid hunter, sportsman, and athlete, Chase collapsed while on the mound for Hines Community College in Raymond, Mississippi during a 2011 baseball game. He suffered a stroke. The family had thought about donation even before they were approached about it at the hospital. Even though they didn't know that Chase was gone, they knew in their hearts that he would not be going home with them. 
Chase's sister Ashley simply said, my first thought was if God was to take him from us, that it was his will for somebody else to live through Chase. Chase would be a multiple organ donor. His gifts included a direct donation to a family acquaintance that was in need of a kidney. Chase's dad, Mike, brought up the idea to his wife, Liz, and her response was if her acquaintance and Chase were a good match, then God did perform a miracle. That acquaintance was David Cox, and he gets to spend time with his son and family every day and is thankful for his second chance. Another one of Chase's recipients was Linda Amos. Linda was in need of a heart in April of 2011 because hers was operating at just 15%. But she was much healthier after receiving Chase's gift. Linda says her family knew that the person's heart she received was energetic and strong because her family couldn't keep up with her now. Fast forward to November of 2013, where Linda and her family met the Roten family for the first time. Despite living less than 30 minutes from each other, the families now have a bond that will last forever. Chase Roten lives on in others through his many gifts. There's a footnote to this story that is also incredible. Chase apparently had known about the power of organ donation long before he was a donor. In a picture found in his high school days at Hillcrest Christian School in Jackson, Mississippi, he was shown wearing a Donate Life t-shirt at a school event. Nobody from his family is aware of where or when he acquired that shirt. Wow. And I um, was able to see video, and you can watch it too. There was a video of Chase's story on Mora's website. Uh, that website is msora.org, msora.org. And it's under the tab Mississippi Miracles, and look for Chase's name. But he's in the middle of this crowd with this Donate Life shirt, and it's pretty powerful. So check that out. Also, um, we have heroes on our uh, page as well, lopa.org. Click on Heroes, um, and you can see more stories, stories like Chase's. Thank you to Chase for the gift of life. Today's question and answer segment. The question is, why would someone need a transplant? That's an interesting question. Very interesting. And uh, it's got a few different answers to it. But for the most part, many of your organs can be helped, at least, with certain medications or certain procedures. Like if you've got end-stage renal disease, which is often caused by high blood pressure or diabetes, sometimes you can be put on dialysis and, and that can prolong you for a certain amount of time. Or, you know, with a heart failure, sometimes there are certain devices uh, that can help prolong. Uh, unfortunately, most of these can only prolong for a certain period of time or, or there's more uh, harm that takes place than than the actual benefit. Uh, So the better alternative is an organ transplant. Uh, So, you know, of course, like I'd mentioned, you know, or we've talked about before, if you've got uh, COPD or or emphysema type problems with the lungs, you can have a lung transplant, uh, you know, the heart transplant with, especially with heart failure, uh, liver failure, whether it's cirrhosis uh, or whether it was from hepatitis or, or different diseases, you know, you can still get a, a liver transplant. Uh, pancreas, usually it's a diabetes. That's, that's the issue there. 
you can get a, a pancreas transplant. And oftentimes when you do have the diabetes, it's impacted the kidneys to the point where you need both a kidney and a pancreas transplant. And look, our volunteers are very vocal and open. And if you uh, log on to lopa.org and go to our podcast page or our YouTube channel, you can watch these videos and they go into detail about their story, what happened to them. Uh, so it's very interesting and you can learn more there. Um, you have a question for us, info at lopa.org, or we want to hear from you, give us a call. You can reach us at 504-648-3477. Call us. Yeah, we may even play your audio on this podcast. We want it to be interactive. Get involved today. Another episode of The Gifted Life in the books, guys. Yep. We want to give a special thanks to our friends there in Mississippi, Kevin Stump and, and Chuck Stinson, for letting us in on a lot of their initiatives and every all the things that are just really going on in Mississippi. Yeah, it's great for our partners, and we always work together because um, our end goal is to make life happen. And, hey, we do want to send out a reminder to everyone listening um, about our quilts that are now online. Sal? Yes, all of our quilts are online right now. I want to give a really big shout-out to Shalon. She just did a fantastic job of getting these, all of them, on the website. And each quilt story is there. So you can click on a particular quilt on a particular square. Then if anyone's interested in designing a square in memory of their loved one, you can go to www.lopa.org. Click on the Heroes tab. Take a look. It will give you some ideas. You'll see wonderful expressions of the creativity that people have done regarding their loved ones. And if you'd like further information, please contact us. And if you've already submitted a square but didn't include your loved one's story, please take the time and share that with us so we can have that along with the picture on our website. What a great way to honor heroes. Got to love it. And look, we're always saying, hey, one person can make a difference. Now that these are online, you can share these quilt squares. You can share the stories that are on them. Um, and it's just another way to spread awareness, something you can do that's just a click away. So go out today, do something you don't normally do to help us save more lives. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.